Hello and welcome to Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. My name is Will Anderson. I've got a question for you. Oh, awesome. How much do you like boobs? Uh, no, yeah. Are you a boob man or nah. are you a bum man? Leg man? Like, if you had to objectify, what would it be? <laughs> right. Come on, we're amongst friends. If I was ordering off the menu. <laughs> It's a great way to start. No, like, hey, know. welcome to Tofop. Uh, by the way, if you are only seeing a person of the opposite sex as a piece of meat and dissecting <laughs> them into the bitch you found the most interesting, I noticed you didn't go with brain. Uh, well, no, because what I'm relating into is is purely about the most base kind of things. Because I, I, I like boobs. Like I'm like most guys. When I see cleavage, I stare and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I was sitting with Gemma and we're watching, I don't know, Next Top Model or something, and I was staring at boobs. And she said to me, do you think if you were chained up for a year – like clockwork orange style and my eyelids were held open and I was just shown boobs repeatedly every day for a year that I would become sick of boobs. Can you touch yourself? Uh, no, you can't masturbate for a year. It's right. like it's like clockwork orange. You're sitting there. That's how you actually that's how you actually escape. You finally get to masturbate, you blow a hole <laughs> in the wall. Like in the Shawshank Redemption. There's like you've got a porno, you've got one of those oh you've got that woman playing tennis with mm. her undies up. And um, you look at that and you finally ejaculate and it blows a hole right through it and you tunnel out of the prison they've kept you in to escape. It's like when Cyclops takes off his glasses and it's just like an uncontrollable burst of energy. Wouldn't that be brilliant? (laughs) That would be a great superhero. The jizzer. (laughs) Except he needs a year of torture to build up to... uh to that point where he can blow a hole through a wall. Well, that's it, it, well. it's basically like he hasn't reloaded his weapon. Yeah, so, essentially. Yeah, so if he's gone a long time, so in between, like, major crimes, you know, he would be sitting at home, like, you know, not masturbating and, like, kind of building up his, you know, weapons arsenal, if you will. <laughs> yeah, right. And then in case... And then they'd have to decide. Yeah. And I guess it's like, you know, what they had to do, you know, in those American, you know, uh, military commands anyway. Yeah. Which is like, do we zap this asteroid with our fucking laser beams? Or, yeah. you know, is this a, a bomb coming this way? Do we have to use our Star Wars missile guidance thing, right? Yeah. Well, that's what they'd be like with the jizzer. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was like, is this a big enough emergency? Because you don't want to whack one out. Yeah. And, and then, then suddenly... Two weeks later... Yeah. Yeah. There's a bigger asteroid. Yeah, totally. It's almost like the Kraken. Like, you know how the Kraken is like, if you're in a sea battle, you release the Kraken and that just fucking ends any kind of battle. Yeah. He's the coming. Exactly. <laughs> He's the, <laughs> <is> the spacken. <laughs> release the spacken. <laughs> that would be... Oh, man. And imagine if, like, because I suppose... Oh, I don't know. Like, does it... Yeah, so it'd have to be erect. His penis would have to be erect. Is it a normal size penis? Well, this is the question, though, is like after, you know, weeks and months and, you know, repeated hours of boobs, I imagine like you're in kind of like a saw type, you know, underground dungeon and there's just like a a widescreen in front of you and it's like every, it's like a slideshow of just boobs again and again and again and again. Like, do you think, how long do you think before you went, well, you know what? Or is it so hardwired into the male instinct? That you'd be like every time you'd be like, Bing, like are they the same? Would it boobs? be springing up every no different boobs? Like it'd be different boobs every day. Every 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 boob you see would be different. Are they all attractive boobs, or do you find all boobs attractive? No, they'd have to be attractive boobs. Otherwise, the experiment's pointless. They'd all have to be like firm boobs, different <laughs> sizes. That's fine, but you know, like but firmness, kind of, for but you not like the major issue. not well, no, not not well. They're not something about Mary, you know. Yeah, those kind of weird, like wrinkly, saggy creepy ones no not like a witch's boobs yeah <laughs> i don't know why i don't want to kind of stereotype witches but i imagine they have re- weird saggy boobs saggy boobs. constantly falling into the cauldron like so many witches spells have been ruined 
by them just, ah, oh, I've got Newt on my boob. <laughs> newt eye, it would be, because it was always the eye of Newt. Yeah. You didn't want to put the whole Newt in. What is a Newt? Oh, it's a, you know, um, Australian tennis player from the 70s. Beauty <laughs> Newt. Uh, <laughs> what is a Newt? It's like, is it like a, it's like a tadpole or a, like it's some sort of small Reptile. amphibian sort of animal. Where does that come from, eye of Newt? Is that that Mac- Macbeth? Are they the ones who say... Eye of Newt? Yeah, but it's a major ingredient. Like, you know, it's... It's or like, is it the Wizard of Id? <laughs> <laughs> it's either Macbeth or the Wizard of Id. Both. They, they were both influenced by each other. Yeah, classic literature. Yeah, classic literature. <laughs> there were some guys who loved to be chained to a wall. There was a lot of chain, you know, prisoners chained to the walls, in, like in those handcuffs in the Wizard of Id. No, there's one guy, Spook. Oh, is it, is it the same The one guy, guy the hairy guy. He, yeah. he, they drew him like he's one giant beard. Yeah. Like, um, who was that? Like, there's a, a cartoon, Ca- Captain Caveman. He looked like Captain Caveman. Right. There was the spook, yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, Latchkey? No, he's the, the guard who had him. They had, like, a kind of odd couple relationship. It was, um, <laughs> no, is it Stockholm Syndrome or what's yeah, the line? That's yeah, that's what yeah. it is. <laughs> so you're saying... Spook and Latchkey. The Wizard of Id was actually a commentary on the idea of Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, You could actually do a uni degree in that. Like, I, you know, on if you if you went in and you, that's my yeah, premise, sure. that definitely, you could like do your master's. Yeah, I think, have we not talked about that before? Like, I, th- I did an, a thing on the X-Files when I was at uni because I studied media arts mm-hmm. and my final year paper was like analysing the X-Files. It's like, I think I was, and I was saying uh, the rise of geek culture or, or you know, or w- defining what is cult and now how it's moving more into the mainstream. Yeah, the cult and, the pri- cult and prime time, I think, was the name of my paper. Yeah, all yeah. right. Well, that's really cool. And there must have been people going, oh, my God, what are you wasting all your time <laughs> doing yeah. this for? Well, I'm doing a media arts degree. This is never going to get you a job. Well, and then one day you're hosting a free podcast <laughs> in the front room. They were right. <laughs> I think there was a, 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 one of the cubicles at my university um, in, the, in the toilets. There was a, above where you t- take the toilet paper. It said um, arts degree below <laughs> pointing down the toilet paper. You know what? That, that was at every uni. Yeah, right. I swear that at every uni that's what it would that was your standard joke. But I wonder how that gets around. Is it just that someone's seen it somewhere and gone, oh I've got to take that back to our campus? Or is there such a thing as a universal versal consciousness when it comes to certain jokes? This idea that this joke is the yeah. same in every but no one teaches your dad to say, um uh, hey, Dad, I'm hungry. Hi, hungry. I'm Dad. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But every dad seems to know that joke. Like, there's some sort of universal. I think. Well, I don't think it's like. I'd love to think it was some kind of you know uh, Jungian group unconscious, but I think it's just the most obvious joke. Right. <laughs> it's like the lowest common denominator. I always get accused of making dad jokes it's because I'm lazy when it comes to humor, and it's like, well, is there a pun in there? Does it rhyme? Yeah, we can do something with this. Yeah, I'm just making noise. <laughs> none, none of this stuff. It doesn't all have to be important. I mean, how many important things in a day do I have to say? Did your did your dad make dad jokes? Oh, uh, my dad's not like a you know laugh a minute sort of guy. Yeah. He has a bit of a dry sense of humour. Like he was very big on me and my mate Howie, who's uh, Mark Howard, the Channel Ten uh, sports reporter. People might know him from his uh, boundary riding. boundary riding at the footy. Um, uh, so Howie and I, um, Howie was over at my house, and we were playing um, corridor football. And basically, it was like, so we both stood in front of a door at the end of like no, a, no, a I'm familiar break. with corridor football. Well, I guess, The Charlie. group unconscious. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> the not... lowest common denominator, Will. I was as dumb as you. Here's the thing, Charlie. Um, I assume, perhaps mistakenly, that when we're doing this podcast, we're not just talking to each other. Oh, yeah. that there might be some people listening 
in say America or Nigeria or wherever people listen to our show. We have a new listener in Thailand, I noticed. Might be someone in Thailand. <laughs> and they're like, what is this corridor football of which you speak? I was just going to briefly in a conversational style sort of, you Sorry, know. I thought you were talking down to me. <laughs> I thought you were patronising me. No. no, Charlie, I was patronising our audience. <laughs> Uh, so the, we each had a door behind us, and basically all you had to do was get the ball past them. That's yep. that's pretty much. Oh, yours is different rules. to my corridor. Oh, football. well, see now it's important <laughs> that I explain the rules. What were the rules of your corridor football, oh, Charlie? We had, ours was you'd stand at either end of the corridor, and there'd be a bedroom off the hallway or off the corridor, so halfway down, and it was about like you know doing a banana or dribbling it through from either end of the hallway. So you'd kick it, you'd take it in turns either end. We also played that one, right? But the the the, the more fun one was the one where we got the soft footy and we just kicked it as hard as we could at each other and you had to try to defend your door. Yeah, it right. was a fucking brilliant game. I never played that one. It yeah. sounds interesting. It's really fun. Yeah, cool. Except that Howie, there was a big lamp in the middle of the corridor. So the only skill you had to really have was not kick it into the lamp. Yeah. Right? Whose house was this? Yours or his? This is my house. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and that was okay because you wanted to keep it pretty low to try to get by him anyway. So it wasn't... But anyway, every time we'd play this game, the lamp would get a couple of kicks. Yeah. And I am just slamming into the lamp constantly in this session we're doing. And then Howie hits it once and the lamp falls down and smashes on the ground. <laughs> so we've had to go out and tell my parents that we've broken the lamp doing something that clearly was designed to break the lamp. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> don't know how it happened. I don't know how it happened, apart from the fact that we were kicking a football as hard as we possibly could in the direction of the lamp. Uh so my dad, just straight-faced, has given it a bit of, um, I'm sorry, Mark, but um, uh, that's just not acceptable in our house. Uh, you're going to have to go home. And he goes, all right, well, I'll go and ring my parents, you know. And he's gone, no, no, that's not acceptable. Um, go, walk. And and how he lived like forty kilometers <laughs> from us. Like, that joke only works if you live in the country. And he was like halfway down the road before my dad was like, "Better go and get him." And I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I, dad's practical jokes were better because he was not known, known for. for jokes, yeah. So when he just slipped one in, you were like, "Yeah." It's like when De Niro does a comedy, you're like, "Wait a minute." Like, sometimes with my dad, it was hard to know. I remember one night we were sitting at home watching the Olympics and it was me and my sister and we were watching the Olympic swimmers and Australia were just kicking ass. It was one of those years where everything was just going great and it was really patriotic and we're sitting there with dad. Dad doesn't watch a lot of TV. I think I've told you this before. Doesn't doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, uh, married the first girl he kissed, uh, lives in the same neighbourhood he grew up in and doesn't watch a lot of TV. Doesn't watch a lot of TV. I'm pretty sure your dad is Buddha. (laughs) (laughs) He watches the footy. Um, and uh, he, he, well, he, you know what he did used to like, Charlie, quite what? a lot? Uh, Blue Healers. Ah! He was quite a big Blue Healers. Oh, I could tell he was a bit, when we were chatted yeah. last year, I could tell he was a bit starstruck. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny, though. My family have quite enjoyed uh, your work. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it is targeted to their demographic. Yeah, because my mum liked McLeod's daughters, and dad likes Blue Healers. And my mum. My dad, although, I will say this. Quite often when we were watching Blue Healers, would refer to it as the Flying Doctors. <laughs> <laughs> and there's part of me that, like, wondered if he, like, even knew that they were different shows. Mate. Like, he was just like, why did they stop flying the planes and start solving crimes? <laughs> I've worked on a lot of Australian drama and I'm not even sure. It's a different show. 
They certainly have the same feel, those shows. Definitely. Like, and uh, so, anything that's rural, that's yeah. about like a group of people in the country, they feel very, very similar. Yeah. So dad likes that. And, uh, and so we were watching the Olympics. So we didn't used to watch heaps of TV with dad, is my point. And so we're there watching uh, the Olympics. And I have turned to my... Oh, I don't know if it was me or it was Suze, but one of us has turned to dad and said, Dad, would you love us more if we were uh, swimmers for Australia at the Olympics? <laughs> And Dad has just, without even pausing, has just gone, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like... Well delivered. I think he's really funny. Like, yeah. But he just, it was very, you know, subtle. Yeah. I can't wait. Like, if I ever have kids, man, I'm going to be fucking with them all the time. Like, I, one of my favourite things to do, and Gemma drives her nuts, is to immediately say no when I'm requested to do something. Yeah, no yeah, matter yeah. how easy the request is. I know that. And I didn't, what I, but I didn't adjust my behaviour when I was staying with some friends who had kids. And yeah. the three-year-old said, you know, could I have a drink? And I said, no. And he burst into tears. I was like, oh, yeah. You've got to get to know me a little bit before Taught him a lesson works. about the world. <laughs> That's right. You're not always going to get what you want. Yeah. You are annoying when you do that, though. Oh, you know I've done it. Oh, that's right. There was that time in uh, Byron when I refused to clean the house. You refused to clean the house. We're moving out of this house that we'd, like, been living in for this holiday that we're on, and we had to clean it, and you just refused. That was funny. To the point where I was going to ring other friends of ours... To, to dob you into them. But you know the thing about it, we actually were talking about this the other week, Jeremy and I were telling another friend about my, my stance. And I, and I honestly believe what I was doing was some kind of strange, it was performance art. Like it was kind of like... Performance art that meant you didn't have to help clean. <laughs> but you know I'm a helpful person. Like I'm the guy who That's does often clean. Me. But that was just like your dad cracking a joke when he normally doesn't. That's why my joke was just as hilarious. Yeah, to you, but not to us <laughs> cleaning the fucking house. I just remember sitting there and you and Gemma were so I was, I angry and you couldn't believe it. I, I and couldn't, you couldn't believe And you were getting angry and standing... But you, neither of you were physically violent, so there was no way I was getting off that I couch. couldn't comprehend that you would just not help. Having soaked up your hospitality for the last two weeks, staying at the holiday house that you'd paid for. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I've, I've had you. That's, that now I remember why I was so outraged. I was like, oh, my God, you've been my guest for the last fucking two weeks having this awesome... Why won't you just fucking wash the dishes? Is it that hard? It was so funny. I was so funny. I didn't do one thing to help one, out. Not once. But, mate... I, have, I mean, you're stuck by it. But I'll I've, give you that. But I've cleaned like so much and helped out so many people. You just got me on that one mm. day. It's like fucking Hawthorne and Geelong in 2008. You just got. You I, just stole one. I just fucking stole it. I just stole <laughs> you a fucking stole a one day. That's exactly right. Wow. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I know. That's fair enough. It's all right if you want to live like that. <laughs> well, my my dad wasn't a joker. But he was very serious, man. I mean, from what I remember, he was always very serious. And talking to my family, he was very serious. But I do remember one day, um, I used to have this habit when I was a kid of putting my finger, playing with my mother's ear, like putting my finger in my mother's ear. It's just a weird thing. I think when I was a kid, I had a crochet blanket and I used to put my fingers through it. So I became a bit kind of uh, hole-centric, I yeah. guess you would say, with my fingers. Plus, with your tiny little hands... They can slip in anyway. Just slip in. And my tiny That's little... That's the fun. And maybe because of my tiny little ears, I became obsessed with other people with their <laughs> normal ears. But my, like, so my common, um, my modus operandi when I was like a three-year-old would be everyone would be in the living room sitting on the couch and I would start sucking my thumb and just reach up to whoever's ear was closest and start playing with their ear. Oh, like that, nice. Right? And it's so like a, that's a kind of modern take on I'm a little teapot. What like do you when mean? you're, th- well, you know, you, oh, you've got thumb, thumb in, in the mouth and thumb in the ear. It's like a, I like it. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know what it is, but I like <laughs> oh, it. I didn't know what it was either. 
But we had to actually, it was a habit we had to break. Like, to, the, the family had to well, actually You have can't to do that down. as an adult. No, but like, did you suck your thumb? Yeah, I guess so. I, I bite my fingernails still. I'm 37 years old. Yeah. Like, I had to go cold turkey and the thumb sucking and the ear fingering. <laughs> which is, I guess, what you'd call it. Yeah, ear fingering. At the same time, yeah. which I don't know if you've ever had to quit booze and drugs at the same time, Will, but it was the equivalent to that. I was, wow. kicking, I was kicking everything. Yeah. But this one time, my dad came home and, um, I didn't look at him. He just came in from work and he sat down on the couch next to me and I instinctively reached up to start fingering his, his ear. ear. And I went, dum, dum, and I looked up and he'd bought a pair of those plastic oversized Spock ears yeah. and not saying anything. And being a three-year-old, like I burst into tears. But that story became legend amongst my family because my dad, who never really made jokes or was that kind of like, you know, funny, like happy-go-lucky kind of guy, he actually made the effort of buying some fake novelty oversized ears, yeah. putting them on before he came into the room and sitting down just for that one shining moment of glory. All that just to make his child cry. <laughs> what a freak. I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we leave that in or we cut that out? Well, I think well so. people should know I'm joking. People know that you're joking. Yeah, yeah. But if my family's listening, no, I'm definitely joking. Mm, no, yeah, they of course. Listen to this. Why would they listen to this? Why would they? Why would you bring even more shame upon your family? <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, I've, I've got a story that got sent to us um, by one of our listeners. Um, I wish that I had written down who it was. Oh, fuck. You didn't so write I could down? acknowledge this. Well, what was this via the Facebook page? No, or? no. You can uh, hit us up at the Facebook page or obviously, uh, you know, at the website, website. tofop.com. Uh, not uh, as Amy keeps calling it. Uh, you know that podcast you do, Top Of. <laughs> <laughs> top Ol. Top Ol. So, yeah, that was, was that the guy from Fiddler on the Roof? Yeah, yeah. Top Ol. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, uh, but you, no, this, uh, this guy just sent this through to my. Um, uh, website will it will it what is what's your email will it will anderson.com.au uh and i get some weird emails to that address i get people propositioning me are you like, serious literally yeah quite often guys and girls um no mostly girls yeah actually surprisingly high amount of girls <laughs> for some of the rumors that i read for a guy <laughs> about who, myself for a guy who won't objectify women yeah exactly um uh yeah no um heaps yeah, right. Like, and they're always quite um, forward. Yeah, like, and also they, well thought out. Like, what kind of shit are they telling you? Okay, well, the the things that they always say are, please don't talk about this. <laughs> so I'm not going to specifically talk about anyone, but but I suppose I can talk about why, it generally. Why? I'm bullshit. Why can't you talk about it? Well, because they say out of respect. Could you not? You know, oh, out of respect. I'm yeah. just going to fucking fill your inbox with filth. Yeah. And out of respect, could you not tell anyone? Yeah. No way, dude. The minute you press send, that's fucking fair game. That's what I reckon. No, I don't think so. I think that they're like you know, um, offering you <laughs> something. <laughs> And you know, have you that never, even if you don't want to have, you, have that something, it's nice that people are offering oh, that something on, to you. Come on, have you, you've never like shagged a girl and then told your mates about it. Um, not for like since I was fucking seventeen or something. Bullshit! Are you serious? Well, can you remember me? Well, I can remember. Oh, actually, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I have completely lied, not only to our <laughs> listeners but to myself. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. You're, you've got this kind of uh, uh, revisionist history. Of who yeah, you no, are. you're right. I, you, you're totally right. I, I, I don't think I'm famous for it, though. No, you're not I think famous on the, for it. You're I not... think on the rare occasion that I have a good story, I like to share that. Of with course, people. like a lot of people do. Yeah. Like a lot of girls do as well. I'm yeah. sure. 
But it's funny that you're more protective of like the anonymous emails than the people who I genuinely like have no or have seen or they saw you talking to before the story came about. I mean, I guess if you argue it logically like that. <laughs> you're on a, the defense rest. A lot of what you say makes sense. I um, uh, once had a girl try to convince me that um, uh, we could have sex uh, while I was in my relationship because we had had sex previous to me being in that relationship so we could just count the sex as part, as of, part the, of the uh, sex we yeah. had before. Yeah, like a retrospective. Because no one's of... going, oh, how many times did you do it then? Yeah. You can just slot that one into... You I know. like that. That's really cool. Yeah. I said to her, I said, well, if you could run that by my girlfriend, <laughs> yeah. and she also thought that that was a good idea, then maybe that could happen. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a solid argument. Yeah. I, suppose, I, 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 I think, yeah. I mean, if that was if that was somehow... I mean, it would be great if when you left a relationship you could get one freebie. Like, it's like, you know, when... Uh, to say, you know, you used to go to a bar all the time and you got a drink card. Yeah. And you haven't been in that bar for a while. It's like, well, I might go back and just cash in that drink card. But, you know, if, like, if you left a relationship and you had, like, three years yeah. to use your credit... Yeah. That'd be... I mean, but everyone could do it. So your girlfriend, yeah. hypothetically, could do that as well. I think I'd be down with that. Yeah. Just one freebie. Just a couple of credits. I spent like, they're going to go, why don't you just go out and fuck someone new? No, because then you have to get to know someone and you have to, you've already worked out that you're not compatible with this person. Yeah, and there could be someone that you really like shagging too. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I remember that girl used to do that thing. Yeah. Maybe you just use this credit now. Yeah. That's an awesome idea. What would you call those credits? You um, wouldn't call them fuck credits. It's a bit coarse. No, well, no. Come I mean, credits. That... <laughs> a shag. Could you voucher. spend like, was it, is it one credit per. Like shag, or is it per night? Or do, like, if you were going to have a big oh, night, right. do you, would you have to spend three it's or four a, credits? Well, I, what, what do you think? So a you could go all your credits in one night, or you could like, yeah, you know, spare out your credits for a week. Can I get like, like a, a handy part? Can I get the credit? Charlie Sheen special? Yeah. <laughs> <Is there> a- <laughs> yeah. uh, I reckon it's um, we'll call it twelve-hour period. Twelve-hour period, one credit, and, what, and a Volvo voucher, <laughs> and and do you get? Do you get the credits per year of a relationship served? So, like, do you yeah, you've got to like, do it. you can't just go and go out with the girl for two weeks and then get a credit. Yeah, but it's say like at least six months. What if you got one a year? So for every year you get a free for every 12 year hour you session. were with that person. Yeah, so I've been with Gemma for almost eight years now. Yeah. so I'd have almost eight. Yeah, you'd have eight sessions. Hour. Whatever, whatever we decide the appropriate. Yeah, okay. Is I think a year's too long. I think six months. Six months? Well, think about how often you have sex in, like, well, at least the first three years of a relationship. <laughs> like, because I think that's I think that's fair enough. If I've put in eight years, I think I should... Uh. Gemma should owe me 16 roots. <laughs> Don't you think? That's roots. a long... Roots, maybe, but not sessions. It's too many sessions. You think that's too yeah, many Yeah, it's got to be per route, I reckon. Yeah, so, so you're saying, like, if I come in the first 15 minutes and I'm done. I that's can't, it. That's she can't it. stay and you know, make me feel better about my horrible <laughs> new life and my new girlfriend. No. Okay, so, all right, so until you come, that's it. It would help. It's not a 12-hour session. It would help keep people together, too, initially, because the more you use you together, the more of these credits... You can save up. You can save up. Yeah, right. So there and would can, be an incentive. But if your ex gets into a new relationship, yep. maybe even gets married, can you still cash in your... What do we call it? Come credit? Uh, well, I don't think we've decided on a name yet. Okay, into into credit, <laughs> credit hits out. No, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yet, okay, well, but it'll come to us. Well, yeah, well, I've got the feeling the name of the episode is going to come to us. <laughs> All right, so you've got these credits. So you get one route per year um, that you are in a relationship. 
Okay, so we're not doing this six months. One per year. One per year. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 you I think, think six months too many? All right, you know no, what? No, no, it's fine. I'll I understand that we're starting a revolution, Charlie. I understand that we're going to change the way that people interact with this, but you can't just go rush in with all your demands first up, you know? Yeah, okay. You have to... All right, how about this? After a certain amount of period, it doubles. Like, it's like insurance. If you, you know, drive for five years without an accident, you become like an A, yeah, triple A. Yeah, you get a triple so A. So if you're in a, a relationship yep. for over five years, it becomes yep. a triple A and you can, you start banking two credits. Yeah, because you don't want guys going around banking two and three year relationships and just getting heaps of credits with heaps of different chicks. Yeah. yeah. You want to reward people of, you know. You know, it's all about, it's not about the sex. It's, it's about, about loyalty. Exactly. Yeah, it's a loyalty reward system. <laughs> that's what I said Gemma it's about loyalty I can just hear myself explain that's how I'm going to explain it it's literally layaway yeah that, that's, that's literally layaway lay credits away. there we go brilliant it's layaway it's layaway excellent um, so uh, so yeah so that's basically you get one a year um, the pr- only problem is that I think that there would then be some sort of trading go on on the black market you know people would be trading you know you you better trade like three year Gemma credits with someone for like a. I don't think you can one. do that. Yeah, well, I don't think you, I, I don't think this should be part of our system. But I don't. Think but I'm just saying on the black market that, that shit goes how, on, man. How would that happen? Shit goes on, man. Shit goes on behind the scenes that we don't know about. That that's the that's a truth right there. Right now, there are people doing things that we do not understand. But okay, we're going to have a fail safe in there. So, I mean, for a start, it's got to be like there has to be some kind of DNA testing so no one can just take no one's test. So just say there's a little kind of blood sample thing. Like, you know, in sci-fi films, they do that yeah. little... Takes a sample of blood. So to cash in your credit, your DNA has to match. Right. That stops the black market right there, mate. Oh, but then you sell your blood to someone. Don't yeah, you? exactly. Fuck, man, those black marketers. <laughs> well, they've always found a way around things. They're very creative people, the black marketeers. Well, all right. Well, that's okay. But the black market, they only account for like 5, 5% of the... Layaway credits. That's yeah. What they, okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. That's a, I mean, you don't care. It's a, a cash for slash damage, yeah. economy. You know, totally. it's cash in hand for people who want to splash in hands. <laughs> it's fine. Is that your marketing slogan? <laughs> you know what? You know, there's actually a new kind of uh, career path we've identified would be the layaway credits broker, because you can essentially negotiate with exes about. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, this guy has got this many credits. Um, you could probably then start trading it legitimately, I'd say. Like, for instance, you could have, uh, you know, two husbands and they've left their wives. And then they say, well, you know what? I've actually always thought your wife was pretty hot. How about I trade you one of my credits? But you have to go to a legitimate layaway broker. You know what? It, it, it would need to actually have that system to get around is the fact that um, what if someone does, say, remarry yeah. and they want to be in an exclusive relationship you know, but you've still got the seven layaway credits with them because you were married to them before. Yeah. They would be able to trade with you that you give up your seven layaway credits so they can have their monogamous relationship. Yeah, right. And they would trade you in return. Like he might have like, you know, nine layaway credits with three different women that yeah. he could pull in and say, hey, you know. Do you think like girlfriends would get jealous? Like when, you know, you're just with a new girl and you sort of had sex and you're just lying there and she just sort of says, so how many credits how have many you credits? got stored up? <laughs> You'd, you want to see someone's credit rating, not their bloods, before you went to bed with them. <laughs> and you're like, oh, fuck, I don't want to ask how many credits my girlfriend's got, but I've just got to know. I've just Look, got to know. I was a child prodigy. <laughs> I banged up a few. Yeah, I reckon that that's the economy of the future. I mean, they talk about like monetary society being like outdated for the needs, but I think a fucking layaway credit society, you'd solve a lot of issues, man. 
I, I think we're, we're developing... Would prostitution be... They'd be gutted by that, wouldn't they? Well, not if those guys who never had sex or never had... I mean, there'd be some guys who've never got... Don't go have any credits. Like those eternal bachelors who've never had a significant relationship. Yeah, you don't but cross that it, it would encourage people to... Oh, no, it wouldn't actually, no. Well, before your significant relationship, you'd... What was the longest you'd... No, I longer? would not have had any credits. So you were like less than six months? Yeah, yeah, always. So you would have had no credits? No credits. And then you... How long was your relationship? Like seven years? Yeah. So you got seven credits? Yeah. But that's... But that's from the one person. Well, that's not bad. That's There'd not be bad. Lots of guys who have, like, who didn't get that significant relationship. Like, um, I don't know, who's a notorious kind of ladies' man who never seems to have a girlfriend? Ian Thorpe. <laughs> <laughs> notorious ladies' man. He said it. He said it. He looks good, Thorpey. I saw him in the paper after he was at the uh, royal wedding. Mm. And uh, he's dropped, like, 20 kilos or whatever. And he actually looks he's like an athlete pool, again. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. He looks um he, he looks like he could go fast again. What do you he's think? only twenty eight. Yeah, like it feels like he's been around forever, but he's only twenty. Do you think it's because of Phelpsy that he's come back? I think it's because he realised that what the fuck is he going to do for the next sixty years? Yeah, and I retired in my prime, like, like the in Michael my prime Jordan syndrome. Like like this is you think at the time because it's all you've done is get up in the morning and go to the pool and like you know, but at the same time you've been Ian Thorpe. You know, possibly, the, well, in the handful of the greatest athletes our country's ever produced. And everybody loves you and you get to, you know, do all these fabulous things. And you think, oh, it'd be great to have all this free time mm. to do all these things that I can't do when I'm training to swimming. But then you realise it was really the swimming that yeah. was the exciting thing about you. Yeah. Now you're just some old guy. But that makes sense. Though. You can understand why he quit, can't you? Totally, but I can also understand the exact reason he's coming back. back. Yeah, it's like he has a couple of years off, and he's like, "Fuck, you know what? I, I'm going to have like sixty years off." Yeah, I'm going to have sixty years sitting around going, "What the fuck am I that, doing?" That myself? must be the fucking hardest, though, is to get back into it. You know what I mean? Because he knows exactly what. Because he's been a world champion, he yeah. knows exactly he knows the what amount it of works required. Oh, yeah, like, like when oh, you're fifth, when you've been swimming since you're fifteen and you've been coached your whole life, you don't know any different. You're just constantly on that climb. Now that he's been to the top of that fucking mountain, it's like. Oh man, like this would suck. I mean, even but you notice it on yourself. Like you know, I I went to the gym a bit over summer when I was writing my show because I can really fucking eat a lot of shit when I write. <laughs> and so I would go to the gym and I got quite fit. But then I went on tour for like you know, like nearly three months where I was on the road constantly and I was just drinking and eating shit food. And I just noticed like that my body just like I was like, shouldn't I get more credit? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? like, yeah, I did so much work. I in did those so three much work, and then it's just all fucked off. Yeah, and. And but then you lose all your habits. Like the other night, I came home from a gig and I was feeling a bit like you know pissy, and I was like, it was midnight, and I, all I was going to do was go to bed. There was no reason to get out a fucking toasted sandwich maker yeah. and make honey toasted sandwiches mm, like at fucking midnight. And I do the same thing. I do the same thing. I don't understand. Like I try and talk myself into the fact, but it, it's it's taste and sensation wins every fucking time with me. Like logic is always second, but. You know, I mean, they make these wagon wheels. There's a there's a deli just down the road from my place, and they make like homemade. Oh, wagon wheels! Wa- wa- but homemade, so yeah. the fucking I've biscuit is that thick, awesome, and, and there's like, re- that much marshmallow. And there's a big jam, in- and it's oh. real jam, yeah. and they dip it in chocolate. And the other day, it would have been like I bought one, yeah. well, because I was doing some writing, like you, yeah, and so I bought one. I thought I'll have that later. Forgot to eat it, and then went out and came home at two in the morning, and I was fucking pissed. And it's like, well. I'm not even going to remember this. Like, I'm not even going to savor it, but I just could not. I just wanted to taste that chocolate and crunch that biscuit and grill the marshmallow. And man, the problem is, I've, I can't go back to the thing now because I ate it and it made me feel sick. Now it's <laughs> like the thing I loved, I now can't have. 
Oh, well, maybe you're right with the boobs then. Maybe if you, like, you know, had so many boobs, you would go off them. Because that's what you've just done with your homemade wagon wheel. Well, the thing about and it was only one of them, not like a year of them, like being shoved in your mouth while you're chained to a wall. But the thing about the boobs and what I was sort of saying to Jem is that you like them even more than wagon wheels. Well, they're hardwired. You know what I mean? Like, how much of it is just like a purely kind of caveman response? Because there's honestly times where I'll find myself staring at cleavage or whatever when I know better. You know, when I'm not actually even sexually interested, but it's like. It just happens. Like, my eye is drawn to it. Oh, no, no, no. I, I understand what you mean. Like, you know, I... It's like sometimes you walk past a, a newsstand and you'll see FHM and Ralph and you'll look at it and it's like, I'm not an FHM or Ralph reader, but they put a girl in a bikini on the front cover. I'm going to look at it. Yeah. And that is definitely hard wiring. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I think that, like, when we used to run at Bondi Beach, mm. I think the hardest thing about that run that we ever did was just not putting our neck out oh and staring God. at women up and down the beach. Yeah. Like, the first time I stepped onto Bondi Beach, I, I almost broke my neck because, you know, growing up in Melbourne, you know, you got St Kilda Beach or whatever, but it's not no. the same kind of beach culture. No, Bondi Beach doesn't have the same, how do we put it, heroin sheep. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the aroma of rotting seaweed. <laughs> yeah. But he stepped onto Bondi and, you know, people, for a start, Bondi residents are pretty body proud. You know, yeah. they work out a lot. Yeah. And they're not... And, they're, and, and they're, their haircuts cost more than their apartment. That's right. And they're not against a bit of cosmetic surgery to, to no. boost areas of their body. Certainly. And they like to sunbake topless quite a bit. And I remember I stepped onto the beach. It was literally two days after I'd arrived in Sydney and I didn't know where to go because everywhere I turned my head was a gorgeous girl half naked. I would have conversations with people. Like, and there was a, one particular girl, and I won't mention the exact uh, circumstance, but basically she was the girlfriend of a really good friend of mine. And she was stunning. And she was known for, uh, like, on she just uh, sunbaked down there in, like, a G-string. Yeah. Right? And then one day we're down there, and he, like, was there with her. And so I've gone over to talk to them, and she just stood there. Mm. Like, stood there and yeah. talked to me. And the whole time I was like... What are you meant to do? Because I've been in that situation as well with yeah. like girl, girl friends, friends who are girls, and they'll send back topless. It's like, well, am I allowed to look? I mean, you know, we're friends and everything, but am yeah. I going to make them uncomfortable if I look? Because I'm not it's like I'm going to stare at them and maybe grab them or anything like that. But like, can I look? I'd like to look. If you were, if you were, put yourself in a situation. Just yeah. say, for some reason, you decide you want to sunbake pantless, yeah. right? Yeah. And you're talking to like you know Gemma, who you've known for fucking years. Yeah. And she took a sneaky look. Would you be like, well, you know, I did take my pants off at the beach? Or would you be like, well, this is getting weird now? Um, no, I think you could be naked with your friends. Like, I think, I think, I don't think I could necessarily be. Yeah. But I have seen, like, I mean, I've been. But in- you've got to accept the fact that if they have a look. Then that's yeah. all, you know. But I've been like, you, saying, you can't say because you're my friend, you're not allowed to look. Like, no. if you're going to take your clothes off, I'm no, you can't. Look. No, I think so. Yeah. yeah, but I don't think you should look. I think it should be incidental, you know, looking. We have, we have a friend who I'll name now and then cut out. When I used to live with uh, Mr. X, <laughs> I she denies it to this day, but I remember very clearly because we we're all sharing a house together. And uh, I was in the bathroom having a shower and she came into the shower because she thought she was going to brush her teeth, but she didn't realise I was in there or just wasn't thinking. Maybe thought it was Mr. X. Yeah. So she came in and was like, oh my God, and then left. 
And then she came back in to grab like a makeup bag or something. And I saw through the shower curtain her grab her bag, cock her head, have a good like one to two second look and then get out of there. She would definitely take a look. She denies it to this day. I guarantee she did it. Like yeah. I saw it. She couldn't I resist. know from her personality. She would, definitely <laughs> have, she would definitely have a look. In fact, she would have gone out like the first time when the mix up happened and yeah. been really embarrassed. Like, she would have genuinely been like, oh, my God, this is so embarrassing. Yeah, I thought it was Mr. My, my, X. Yeah, yeah. And then about two minutes later, she would have got this cheeky little smile <laughs> and she would have been like, oh, I'm going back for it. It wasn't though. two minutes later. It was like within five seconds. Yeah, like right. She's like, oh, I'm okay. sorry, sorry, grab the toothbrush bang. And it's yeah, like, okay. oh, Oliver. So she tried to disguise yeah. it quite well. Yeah, she'd have a look. But, you know, having said that, she probably would not care. If the situation had been reversed and I had stumbled it on her, she probably wouldn't have cared anyway. No, no, so. it'd be fine. I think it can be. I was in a, a bath at my house with two of our <laughs> girlfriends and they were naked in the bath and we yeah. were all just in the bath So together. what was the agreement there? There was no agreement. But, I mean, like the unspoken Oh, what was the agreement? unspoken agreement? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, I think look. we were just all respectful. But at one stage they got out and had to put towels on and there's no way that where I was sitting you couldn't... Yeah. Like, but did you try and pretend like you weren't looking? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I'd certainly tried to pretend <laughs> that I wasn't looking. But you've got full-length mirrors in your bathroom, so yeah. you're in a really good spot to pretend like you're not looking. There is nowhere in that room. <laughs> you could you could reverse park a car in that room. It's like the last scene of Enter the Dragon. Just fucking reflections <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Like a fucking hall of mirrors. <laughs> That'd be cool in my bathroom because it's got mirrors, mirrors everywhere. If I got like yeah, hall of mirrors, but, mirrors. but if you've got a hall of mirrors in your bathroom, at one stage you're going to go in there and a bad guy's going to appear and go, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> you know, where am I? Am I here? Or am I over here? <laughs> yeah, I know, but it'd be worth it for the conversation. I've never understood that kind of device in kind of 60s. You know, 70s action movies about the bad guy being in the hall of mirrors because surely you just look for the thing that's not a reflection. Like, but how do you know? Aren't re- reflections look be- like because the reflections are two dimensional. They don't look three dimensional, don't they? Yeah, but you can't see the person. You can only see all the. But for, for me to be in a position, like, it'd have, I'd like to see the science on it. Actually, right. if there's anyone out there yeah. who's uh, into what is it? Not physics. It's um, what's angles and shit. If you are a mathematician. What is the angle you need to be in? Just say there's 30 mirrors in a room, like the yeah. end of Enter the Dragon. Yeah. What position does the bad guy need to be? And what position does the good guy need to be to see him? So that he can't and, So he can't see him in three, 3D, but he can see him only in mirrors? Is yeah, that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. I'd like, if someone on, wants to hit this up on Facebook and actually sketch out a diagram of... I'd be surprised if there isn't already websites devoted. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, but it sounds like the sort of thing yeah, yeah, yeah. that like between us saying this it's, and the end of the episode, an internet meme would have like you know sprung yeah, up totally. and there would be like whole things you should probably just google it yeah but that i would be interested to know because that to me has always seemed like totally flawed like i mean just don't shoot if it looks shiny and sort of flat then it's not the bad guy just find the fucking guy does that sort of stuff bother you because like when i was watching um thor for example mm. um which i really dug and i thought it was really fun yeah like i enjoyed that i didn't care like i didn't ever sit, sit there and go hang on so they're a techno- technologically advanced alien race, but they 
ride around on horses <laughs> on rainbow bridges. Yeah. Like I never was like, oh, this makes no sense yeah. in that way that like, what, why are they like the United Nations? Yeah. Why is this movie like a Benetton ad? Yeah, yeah. Aren't they all like aliens? Like why is one alien Asian? Why is there only one Asian alien? I don't understand. <laughs> um, so like, but that shit didn't matter to me. Yeah. But I know some people get really caught up on well, like... Well, it's like with Tron. You got annoyed with Tron because they didn't explain the rules of yeah. it, you know. So you felt like rudderless the whole yeah. time. I don't care if the rules make no sense at all. That mm. you can only ride on your rainbow bridge on your fucking horse. Yeah. You know, if that maybe if that's the rule, that's the rule. But but it has to be a rule. Yeah, and no, I get that. I, it's funny with um, Thor, I was sort of saying to you before, like apparently the um, Ku Klux Klan... <laughs> Got really upset because it's a portrayal of uh, Scandinavia. What Norway was it? Norway? No, what are they called? It's um, what are the Norse gods? Yeah, Norse gods, and they have a black guy and an Asian guy in there. And apparently, the Ku Klux Klan got very upset that the you know atypical Aryan gods could be played by black people or or Asians. And it's like, but aren't gods kind of not corporeal anyway? Do they even have skin tone or like shaped eyes or anything like that? And these guys are like clearly in this movie are aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They're not, they're, you know, even though the earthlings have represented them as gods. I mean, I, I don't know. We'd probably not do a spoiler thing because, you know, Thor's a massive movie and everyone should yeah. have seen it by now. By now. But did you see The Highlander 2? Um, yeah, yeah. And you know, like, The Highlander 2 is a very famous kind of flop and a very yeah. fa- and it's it's kind of famous for taking a beloved film and then... Putting it in it. the future. Well, no, that what they did is so in the first film, uh, it's about a bunch of immortals who yeah. are fighting, you know, to kind of be the last, you know, the last, the last Highlander. Of, exactly, there can, can be only well, not the last Highlander. He's called the Highlander. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Highlands, yeah, the last good. immortal. Yeah. Um, and so the, they based it in this sort of mythological thing that these people from all different eras were brought together, you know, for yeah. this contest. And then in the second film, they said, okay, you know that mythology we created in the first film? No, yeah. no. Actually, what these <laughs> that you guys loved? Are, yeah. That made that first film a real hit? They're actually aliens from yeah. another dimension and they're being put on Earth and that's why they have these kind of immortal yeah. powers. So when I saw Thor, I was like, oh my God, this is Highlander 2. <laughs> but Thor's really good. Yeah. I mean, because Highlander 2, they explain it so badly and they totally fucking shat all over the mythology of the first one. And Thor... For some reason, that shouldn't work because they're taken... I mean, Norse mythology is beloved and, you yeah. know, it's been adapted. And even the Thor comic book, which the film's based on, is pretty kind of... adheres to the idea that they are gods or deities or the Norse mythology. But then they... I mean, they don't come out and explicitly say, hey, we're aliens from another planet. They say, you know, interdimensional beings who were misidentified as being gods. Yeah. But it's essentially Highlander too. <laughs> Somewhere, someone who got a big fat check for Highlander 2 is secretly about to get a big fatter check yeah. for Thor. But it does prove, though, like, and we've talked about this not on the show, but you take a, a bad idea and a good idea, there's just a slight fucking difference. It's all about the execution, you know? And that is a, a pure case. I mean, Tarantino has built his career taking kind of cult films or unknown films and then sort of just, uh, you know, uh, what would you call it, souping them up, you know, to make them awesome kind of fair for, for audiences now. And it's amazing, like, when you think about, think about, like, the directors and the films that are trash now that people hate, that, you know, big flops. But 30 years from now, someone could go, oh, you know what, fucking Drive Angry. That was a really great film, you know. Why yeah, there'll be, cast... some, there'll be some Tarantino-esque new director yeah. who's, like, um, remaking uh, Vin Diesel movies. Yeah, totally. Well, not even that. Like, there's a director that everyone hates, you might have heard of, called Yui Boll. He's a German director. Right. And he's famous for 
um, videos of people shitting on each other? No, no. He he, he takes video. He, he bought up a whole bunch of video game licenses. So like you know, Alone in the Dark, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. And then made the film adaptations. And he, I don't know the exact story, but the guy has worked the system really well. Where he sort of he makes films cheap. He bangs them out real quick. You know, he can pay people in cash. So he'll we'll get like a big star, like a Jason Statham or something, to come and do like two weeks' work. I'll pay you three million dollars in cash. <laughs> and he makes his films and. You know, they kind of make enough money, like, yeah. in videos and stuff. But, like, he's obviously not a, a craftsman. Like, he doesn't... You, you wouldn't watch his films and go, well, this is a guy, you know, who's studied, you know, scene breakdowns and camera movements. He's no Scorsese. He's a guy who buys an identifiable license, pays, like, a B-level star a lot of money to come in. And so he's kind of loathed by film critics yeah. and film nerds all over the place. But when I see him, I go... Well, this is guys going out and actually making stuff. And sure, like he might be kind of taking the shortcut and, you know, not even describing these scripts, but he's making these films and they're obviously making some kind of mark or having some kind of audience because he keeps getting money to make another one. And if you look at, back at Roger Corman, like he's now celebrated as, oh, what a, what a, like a, a jewel of the film industry. And he gave birth to Spielberg and Lucas and James Cameron because they all worked for him. But the stories of working for him was you'd shoot a film in fucking 12 days. Everyone would get like a sandwich and 12 bucks, you know. But through the passage of time and because he's given birth to all these other filmmakers, it's like, oh, we love Roger Corman. So I swear that Yui Bowl in about 30 years' time, if, you know, the world still exists in 30 years, this is my time capsule, I reckon he will be celebrated as this fucking kind of renegade. Mm. I mean, it's just with revisionist fucking history, we always look back at people who are dickheads in their time or kind of reviled and then sort of elevate them you know just through the the luck of being remade by a tarantino or something like that so there you go if you've ever done anything shit <laughs> there is a chance there is a at some stage you'll be brought back into some sort of ironic way well not so i don't think it's even necessarily ironic you know like like you look at the grindhouse phenomena i mean that those films flopped i reckon they're great do you yeah. like them yeah i loved them both yeah same and the way that they made those films was originally they were two, like, something like 60-minute films that you're yeah. meant to see back-to-back. Yeah, as a double feature. Yeah, and that's how I and saw it. And they had previews and all those sort of things. Yeah, and they well. had filmmakers coming to make yeah. trailers. And then when the films bombed, they freaked out, whacked more footage in. And released them as separate movies. Yeah, right. But I think what... And, I, and if you've ever watched um, uh, the, uh, the the Tarantino one, which is... Death um, Proof. Death Proof. Um, you can actually just see almost the sticky tape where the extra 20 minutes is in. Yeah, Because yeah, exactly. you just go, there's 20 minutes of that film that doesn't really need to... Ah, oh, right. That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But I went and saw that like uh, as a double feature at the Astor in Melbourne, yeah. you know, which does all kind of old films and stuff. And it was so much, it was so much fun. Yeah. But like 20 years ago, you know, you told someone, oh, I'm going to go see like a double feature, 60 minutes each, you know, blah, blah, blah. People be like, ah, oh, that's fucking shit. Why are you going to see that shit, you yeah. know? So someone can uh, yeah remake the say the Police Academy franchise. Police Academy is too big. Oh, I think really. Don't you reckon? Well, that was that. I'd love big. to see a Police Academy reboot, mate. I'm sure that should I? I'm sure that's in the works. Really? In fact, I'm going to Google it. It yeah. have to be yeah. any any franchise like any name you know that is out there. Like they've bought up the titles for every fucking Saturday morning cartoon. Police Academy remake. Who would you? Who would star in it? Well, don't say Adam Sandler. <laughs> Um, all right. So you need a uh, wise cracker. Well, you need Mahoney. Yeah, okay. You need so Mahoney. Steve Gutenberg. Yeah. Um, so who's the Steve Gutenberg of our time? Um, uh, Jesse uh, Eisenberg? No, no. Uh, I got the best one. Who's the guy from that 70s show? 
Topher Grace. Topher Grace. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. He's kind of the smug, quirky, you know, he's funny. Yeah, I reckon right. Topher Grace. Okay, Topher Grace. I'm okay with that. Uh, um, hang on, before we get into that, Police Academy remake coming. Yep, do, you want, do, you want to, do, you want to, do we want to get into this? Yep. Okay. This is dated March 7th, 2010, so this may some of the most current news. Uh, once again, Police Academy are at it again. It's a comedy and an action movie. New Line Brothers is looking to relaunch Police Academy. It's going to be one of those movies that will allow individuals the opportunity to see a movie that will keep you laughing. This must be the actual website. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like, and it sounds like it's been translated from another language. This has totally been written by the production company. Listen to this. It's going to be very worthwhile to the people who remember it and for those who've seen it on TV. It's going to be a new class. We hope to discover new talent and season it with great comedians. <laughs> this actually sounds like someone's had to do a fucking high school book report yeah. on the new Police Academy. It will bring about another movie with numerical, te- uh, with numerical text to it and will most probably retain the wonderful musical theme. Wait a minute, is this taking the piss? No. There are other installments of this movie, and if you recall, they were hilariously and extreme. They were hilarious and extremely comical. This what? is not legitimate. The rating for this movie is not available, nor is a release date. This means it's still in development stages and should start shooting soon. The director and the producers are hoping this goes over well in theaters and box offices. <laughs> what? And yet, even though there isn't a lot of information about this movie as of yet, you can know for certain that it is the comedy and the action that will make most people essentially want to watch the movie again. Who is wasting their time writing fictional fucking internet entries about movies that are never going to get made? This is on a website. This is on a website called Hollywood. No, the broken English is probably me not reading it properly. No, no, no. I think I think there was an element of broken English in how it's written. (laughs) The website read like a Chinese restaurant. People want to check this out. It's on a website called Hollywood.co.com. Hollywood. So HollywoodGo.com, and. Just type in Police Academy remake, I guess. All right, so then it goes on to say, um, it's going to be one of those movies that you will go see in theatres and then wait for the movie to come out in DVD so you can add it to your home library of movies as well. How do they know that? It's not being made. There's no script. There's no director or producer. Wow. It's a movie that's coming. How can they be so sure? But this is like unless a, they have a time machine but this is and have travelled in the This website, just to give it some context, yeah. is a movie website. Yeah. Like... Down the side, they have all movie news. Mel Gibson, uh, Anthony Mackie, Jodie Foster talking about her new film. So this isn't like... It's not like I've gone to the production company who are trying to get the New Line Brothers to who have rights to Police Academy. This is like a movie website. Who posted this, though? That's the producer who's obviously, obviously posting it. Might have a lot of spare time sitting around waiting for that Police Academy, those callbacks from everyone there, from Topher Grace. All right. Well, here's another website called hotair.com and headline is devastating Hollywood to remake police Academy. (laughs) (laughs) The first two lines go, I've been trying to cope. Mm, Shit. Let me say that again. Okay. First two lines say, I've been trying to cope with the news all day, but it's too much. I will grieve and you will grieve with me. (laughs) That's the way this site works. New line. And I'm guessing it's new line studios. Yeah is looking for recruits to relaunch Police Academy. Original producer Paul Melansky is back for the new iteration, which has no writer or director attached. <laughs> so how can you say he's back? Like, there's nothing to be attached to. Well, the guy who produced the original franchise has gone, oh, you know what I'd like? Some more money. Is there any chance we can make that happen? What's that one idea we had once? Police Academy. Let's see if we can do that again. There's a quote from Mr. Uh, Mr. Melansky. It's going to be a very, it's going to be, wow, 
Okay, so now we understand who that quote was from because he's quoted here. It's going to be very worthwhile to the people who remember it and those who saw it on TV, Milansky said. So he's quoting the article I just read. It's going to be a new class. We hope to discover a new talent and season it with great comedians like Michael Winslow. Yeah. It'll be anything but another movie with a numeral numeral next to it. And we'll most probably retain the wonderful musical theme. You know what is funny? When I was reading that on the last website, I thought it was like a retarded 12-year-old who loved Police Academy who was like writing it. That's the fucking producer. Producer. The producer of the Police Academy. So the next uh, bit in the article goes, uh, the early entries in the series featured sexual humour. That was, what's her name? Was the the, the chick with the big boobs? Yeah. What was her name? I don't know. Callahan. Callahan. Was it Callahan? I don't know. Anyway. Early entries in the series featured sexual humour, but later films became more kid-friendly. Details of the tone of the new movie, which doesn't exist, because yeah. there's no fucking there's script a lot or of, director. There is a lot of talk about this movie that doesn't exist. Uh, so details of the new movie would take the story to its beginnings. Oh, the gritty reboot. Yeah, yeah <laughs> gritty reboot of Police Academy. If any film has been crying out for a gritty reboot, it's fucking Police Academy. They could take all those hard-assed instructors... And kind of tell their backstories. Yeah, right. How, how that you know, where they lost the joy get, of police get, work. Yeah, because you get the backstories of the police academy the, 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 the recruits, first film because that's yeah. how they become in the police academy. Yeah. So it has to be it has to be uh, the old guy, um, Punky Brewster's dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the commissioner of yeah. one of the fuckies. The guy gets the blowjob onto the podium. Yeah. <laughs> you, because you know what? When you do the gritty reboot, you need to pay off the the blowjob under the podium. So. You cast him, so you'll cast like I don't know, um, uh, t- uh, uh, Tom Hardy as the young. Uh, oh, great, love yeah, it, yeah, yeah right. Brilliant. And so when he's a cop on the beat, you know, he investigates some crime at like a, a, a high school, and he gets a blowjob under, under a podium. Mm. And then later, I so say that later on the payoff is, oh yeah, that's right, this happened before. Yeah. Like he's got a predilection for yeah, blowjobs right. under a podium. Yeah, Tom Hardy. <laughs> I don't know if he's the right choice. No, I think Tom Hardy's great for a gritty reboot. Re- gritty reboot. No, I think you need someone kind of taller and lankier. I mean, let, we'll forget about the Topher Grace because they're not going to reboot those. No, we have just, to. We've got to, we've got to go back. What was his name? I don't know. Fuck, Punky Bruce's dad will go on. Yeah, Punky Bruce's dad. <laughs> I, I, you're the one who did. Like, and not even her real dad. Universe. Yes, I should know his name. You should know this shit. Punky Bruce's stepdad. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, of course. Okay. All right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that much. My degree taught me that much. Okay. They weren't blood relatives. So we need to cast Punky Bruce's uh and he's like what he's the boss, basically, isn't yeah. he? Anyway. Yeah. Like in, in the new movie. So he's obviously a guy who's done well. So he was a hero at some stage. Yeah. So he's young and he's dashing and he's good looking. Yeah, but in I think in the Police Academy films, wasn't he he was a bit kind of like he was a bit dumb, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah. And forgetful and yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He could play a bit. Um, oh, what about um, uh, Jim Karensky or whatever his name is? From yes, the that's perfect. <laughs> that's perfect because he's tall yeah. enough and he yeah. looks like he could be a cop. Yeah, definitely. The actor's name was George Gaines, and he played Commandant Eric Lassard. Oh yeah, oh, is that right? Yeah, I think that's right. Commandant, well, Commandant is at the highest rank. I guess so. Yeah, yeah Commandant Lassard, George Gaines, George Gaines. Yeah. All right. I reckon that's totally that's perfect casting. Yeah. John Krasinski. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name? Um, well, now that you've like said that, I can't think of why. Is, why do you? You just said it like that? two fucking seconds. Ago. I know. Well, that's what I mean. Because but now that you've said something else, I can't think of what it was that I was going to say. Jonathan Lipnicki. That's not Jonathan <laughs> Lipnicki. That's the kid from Jerry Maguire. 
what happened to that kid? Heroin, I don't know. Heroin. Should we look that up? Yeah, let's oh, look that right. up. I want to know what happened to him. Could be a whole new episode. <laughs> Jonathan Litnicki. Yeah. You know what I often think? He'd be great in a, a Police Academy reboot. Oh, he would need If it. you just had him in there somewhere. How do you spell Litnicki? I don't know. L-I-P and then like Nick with an I. Like a lip Nicky. Yeah, I guess so. Jonathan um, Lip Nicky. Just put it in Jerry Maguire as well. It'll come up. No, it's come up. Here we go. So, uh, should I go type it? Well, he's got a website. Oh, yeah. All right. Or, or Wikipedia. Oh, he's a fully grown man now. <laughs> yes. That's actually what happens to children, Charlie. They wow. grow up. He uh, he looks... I can't know how would I describe him. He's kind of... He looks like... Uh, oh, fuck. How would I describe that? He looks like a Marine. He's short blonde hair. He's got kind of like a pug face. I'm trying to think of an actor. He's like an ugly Matt Damon. Oh, okay. But not as kind of like charming as Matt Damon. He looks more like a grunt. Right. Doesn't look anything like that adorable, lisping child who knew the human head weighed seven pounds. No. Um, do we want his biography? Yeah, I do. I want to know what's happened to Lip Nicky. All right. So what the Lip Nicky story post-Jerry Maguire is. Okay, how old do you think he was when he did Jerry Maguire? How old, when do you think he was born? How old do you um, think he is now? Uh, <laughs> Same thing. Just give me the have, year he was born. You have honestly asked me three questions. three questions vaguely about the same thing in some sort of Guantanamo Bay-esque interrogation. Um, uh, I think he's probably about 20 now. What, so, so that'd be, what, yeah, that's pretty right. Yep. 21. Okay, so he was in... Uh, should I read the whole bio or just get to what he's done? Oh, no, get to it. I'm happy to learn about Lipnicki. Okay, so he's born in 1990. Jonathan William Lipnicki has been a serious actor. They actually say that on his website. Yeah. He's a serious actor. Yeah. Who classifies himself as a serious actor? He's a serious actor. So is that he'll never do a comedy. If Judd Apatow called him tomorrow and said, hey, we want you to play the ass burglar in yeah. Funny People 2, he'd be like, I'm sorry. Serious actor. Well, no, I think it just means that he acts in a serious manner. He takes his acting serious. He doesn't just have to play serious roles. I mean, he's... But if he was in a comedy, he'd be very serious about it. Okay, so they say he's a serious actor, mm. and since his award-winning breakout role at the age of six in the Academy Award nominated Jerry Maguire, uh, alongside Tom Cruise, he's been leading a career, blah, blah, blah. Yep. If this was Jodie Foster at 22, because yep. Jodie Foster was a child star and then went on to have a pretty good teen and adult career, yep. do you think in the first line of her bio they would mention that she's beloved from that? Or is it only if that's the only thing people know you from, you lead with that? Um, I would say it would probably start with something like Academy Award winning actress Jodie Foster. Yeah, right. But it wouldn't say... She's a lezo! She's a lezo, <laughs> did you know? She's totally a lezo. She's friends with Mel Gibson. What's wrong with her? Yeah, and she's a lezo. Uh, so following Jerry Maguire, Nikki took on leading roles in a string of other hit movies now. All right. I'm going to put the old... Quotation marks around, around these hit, around this string around the word hit, yep. including Little Vampire, okay, and both Stuart Little films. Oh, okay. I'm detecting a theme. <laughs> Little Vampire, Stuart Little. He was in Little Women. He also gathered uh, numerous TV credits, most notably in the Jeff Foxworthy show, Mego, and popular teen drama Dawson's Creek. Oh, oh okay. So you would have reckoned Dawson's came after Jerry Maguire, yeah, or around about the same time. Okay. Now they're going to get serious. All right. Unlike so many of his peers who get stuck in young roles, Lipnicki is maturing and adapting with every new project. I'm pretty sure only Gary Coleman got stuck doing young roles. Webster. Yeah, right. If you yeah. have a, a those severe... Kids, those kids they put on those like drugs kidney to keep them look like kids. <laughs> oh, you believe that, do you, Charlie? That they had kidney defects. That was Hollywood, man. <laughs> Hollywood injected those poor little kids with some sort of stunty serum to keep them cute and adorable for us on television. 
If you're a child star yeah. and your agent came to you and said, hey, Will, <laughs> yeah. if your career goes on, you're going to be washed up by yeah. the time you're 10 and it's never going to get as good as it is now. Yeah. But I can give you a little jab with Mr. Stabby here yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and keep you small forever. You're going to have a 20-year career and you're going to be beloved. Would you take the jab jab? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Small forever? Brilliant. Yeah, actually, it's not a bad idea. Yeah. I love the idea of a small forever. But what happens then... Um, if you stay small forever, like you, don't get, you, don't get puberty, you don't get puberty and shit. So, well, how old was Gary Coleman in Different Strokes? No, no, no. I'm saying like, because Gary Coleman wasn't injected with a magic. Yes, fluid. he was. No, he wasn't. Can we finally, like Obama, <laughs> Obama caught Osama, mate. It's time for the lies to end. <laughs> it is time for the truth about what's going on in the world to finally get out there. And if you don't believe that Hollywood injected Gary Coleman with some sort of fucking height retardation serum <laughs> to keep him cute and adorable for our pleasure, then, well, I'm sorry, mate. What will you believe? Mate, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Right. Next you'll be telling me the moon landing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Lit Nicky. Yep. Unlike many of his uh, peers who get stuck in young roles, yep. over recent years he's dedicated his time. He's dedicated his time to a number of independent films. Well, you know why, Charlie? He's serious about acting. He is. And dedicated. He was particularly impressive uh, with his role in the, up, uh, in the coming-of-age drama When Zachary Beaver Came to Town. Wow, that sounds like... That doesn't um, sound like a legitimate mainstream <laughs> film. I've got to tell you, Litnicky. Waka waka wow wow when Zachary Beaver came to town. That's one of those movies where the porn title couldn't be any more amusing than the yeah, actual exactly. title. Yeah, exactly. You can't porn adapt that. Yeah. They've got a quote here from um, his performance coach. Oh. Who uh, is called... Jesus, he's got a performance coach too. Dennis Laval. Because he's serious. Litnicky's smart and a good actor. That's the best he could pay his acting coach to say. Look, Nicky's smart and a good actor. Not even a great actor. Not even one of the best. Not even like the hottest talent I've ever worked with. Look, Nicky's a smart and good actor. That's all right. That's not the most glowing. It's quite nice man. though. Someone says you're smart and you're a good actor. Uh, this has been demonstrated by not only Lip Nicky's impressive awards collection. Let's... Take a guess. Those awards all came for the one film when he's about six years old. No, but it's an impressive collection of uh, awards. But he also did a recent guest appearance on t- the TV show Monk. And then they get into a whole bunch of what charities he works for and shit. Blah, 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 blah. blah, blah saving blah. the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, he wants to get Americans interested in politics as part of a movement called Declare Yourself. Uh, Declare Yourself what? I don't know. <laughs> Declare, Declare yourself bankrupt any kind because of, you only made one good film when you were 14 and now you don't have any money uh, and you wish you'd gone uh, to university. I disagree, mate. He's got two hit movies. Uh, well, oh, Stuart three Little. if you consider Stuart Little one and two. Who knew they made a sequel? Did the Stuart you know Little franchise. Have you seen the Stuart Little? Oh, it's about the mouse, yeah? Yeah, Stuart Little, voiced by Michael J. Fox. No, that's right. And starring House's own Hugh Laurie. Yeah, correct. And Jenny Davis. Yes, that's right. Pick the guys to work in the videos. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we should wind it up. Um, oh. We're going to have to get back to your letter in part two. Do you want to stick Oh, yeah, that's and, fine. And we'll we get can... to the letter. Yeah, we'll get to the letter. Okay, cool. Right. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. <laughs> <laughs>